0: Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke 19. Today is Palm Sunday, and we celebrate on Palm Sunday the triumphal entry when Jesus comes in to Jerusalem and is hailed as King. And as I was meditating on that, uh, a funny story came to mind from my youth days, probably the closest thing I got to being in a triumphal entry, although it was sadly fall uh, fell far short From that so this was a homecoming parade anyone been in a homecoming parade before Uh, so a few of you will be able to relate to this Uh, my class did not have a ton of school spirit like um, uh, we were the dragons and we sang the song about with dragon pride right here inside we bring you love and anyway there wasn't much love going on and, um, and my class didn't have a, a lot of class spirit. So when it was time for homecoming, each class was supposed to do a float. And I have this moment of realization that we're not going to have one for our, our senior class. And, and that would be tragic. And so um, I went to my granddad and said, can you help us out? And he, he gave us his old cattle trailer, uh, real beat up. And so I I go and ask some friends, well, out of a class of 500, 12 of us showed up. And um, it would be great if it was 12 disciples, but it certainly wasn't. And um, so we get together, old, beat-up trailer, and then no one wanted to spend any money on it. So I'm ashamed to say we went around town, and in order to, like, have some height—you need some height to a flatbed Uh, trailer—in order to have some height, we stole— a, uh, a, a loading ladder from behind, a, a, um, from behind a, a, a warehouse. I still feel guilty about that. And, and then how we made our float, you know, usually you make big paper mache and chicken wire. Well, we didn't have that. So we just took like those streamers that you throw and wrapped them around. And there were some streamers. And then we took some crepe paper and wrote in some paint. And it was really bad. Go, dragons and And so, a few of us, you know the you you go and there and the the people are lining up the streets, and when our trailer kind of pulled around instead of people cheering, they went, ah, like these like sympathy claps. <laughs> And <laughs> so I'm sitting on the trailer going like, I cannot wait for this to be over. You know, those times you're like so embarrassing. We finally pull back. We we get the trailer goes back to my house and we get there and none of us ever talked about it again. And I hate to say that really that was my approach to Jesus in high school as well. I was a Christian, but I, I you know, I, I, I basically was borrowing someone else's faith like I borrowed my grandfather's trailer. None of us wanted to invest our time or resources unless we absolutely had to. Uh, And then I think that's that's often how the world looks at us as Christians when we drive by. You know, they're like, hey, kind of pitiful little half-hearted crew, you know. And and that's why I love this story of the the triumphal entry, because it's so different from that. There's so much passion. There's so much excitement. There's such wholeheartedness. And I want to dive in because today I want to talk about how do we welcome Jesus? How do we welcome Jesus in? Because I want to be a person. I want to be a family. I want to be a church that welcomes Jesus. Amen? Starting in verse 28 of Luke 19, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead coming up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage in Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them and as they were untying the colt its owners asked him why are you untying the colt they replied the lord needs it somehow that worked they they brought it to jesus threw their cloaks on the colt and put jesus on it as he went along people spread their cloaks on the ground and when he came near the place where the road goes down the mount of olives the whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully Praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you... Even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it's hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They'll dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. When Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. I want to unpack this amazing story because in it are numerous aspects of how we can be a people who welcome Jesus. But the first thing I want to tell you is that Jesus loves to visit people. And that's what this story really is about, is that Jesus loves to come into town uh, first of all you know when you think about jesus he's he's always trying to meet with people i love that revelation three twenty. it says this it says here i am i stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door i will come in and eat with that person and they with me i i love studying the gospels because you just see the heart of Jesus over and over again. One of my problems in high school was that my experience with Jesus was just seeing some old 1970s Jesus movies. And he'd show up and he'd be like, Peter, feed my sheep. Right. We we live in such a better day where the the chosen video has come out and you're you're like, oh, you know, happy Jesus and, and, and sweet Jesus. In fact, the other day someone told me, man, one of the things that was hard about seeing the Jesus revolution was the same guy that plays Jesus, plays Lonnie Frisbee, and he goes, it was horrible for me to see Jesus sinning and and having a bad attitude, because we're used to now the chosen videos, but that was not in my day. So in my day, Jesus in movies would kind of like float around, Peter, he'd, he'd talk in this like British accent. And, and so that's what I was used to, and he'd, you know, He was rebuking the Pharisees, and and that was all I was seeing. But, But as you actually study the Gospels, and that's why we talk about being in the Word every day, you see that Jesus loves to be with people. He loves to be with children. He's gathering children unto himself. He loves to be with young people. Right, he he loves high school age people. You see him with Lazarus and Mary and Martha having a meal with them. He loves to be with old people. You see him with Nicodemus, and you see the the first person he he actually visited with was Anna and Simeon. He loves to be with sinners. You see in in Luke 15, all the tax collectors and 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 it says sinners and prostitutes gathered around him. He loves to be with sick people. He loves to be even with really messed up people. You see him crossing the Sea of Galilee just to to meet a a, a demonized guy. Jesus loves to be with people. And my, my question is, when you think of Jesus is your first thought, he loves to be with me. He wants to be with me. He wants to be with me and he's standing at the door and knocking, and, and so often we use that as an evangelism verse, but that's a verse in Revelation 3. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone opens the door, I'll come in. That's an actual verse to the church. I, mean, I think it's appropriate to share that with unbelievers, that he's knocking on the door of your heart, but church, he's knocking on the door of our hearts, and he wants to fellowship with us. And so I, I want to be a person that welcomes them in. And so when we talk about the triumphal procession, I, I, I look at the people and I say, I want to welcome Jesus into my town, into my church, into my life. And so let's, let's look at that, how that happens. The first thing I notice is this. It says, as he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, you know, God always uses a few to prepare people for his entrance. I think about the beginning of this church, there was this this young woman named Stephanie Crack, and she was a a San Diego State uh, rowing team member. And God used her in such a powerful way because she just decided, I'm gonna use my college years to make Jesus known. And she just started, she, she showed up to our, our house when it was a, about 20 people in this church. We had just started, but every week she was just determined to bring friends. So she, every week we just ask people. I think she asked them until they came just to get her off their back. Do you know what it takes seven times of asking someone for them to, to accept something? That's, that's the, the national average. So when we pass out these, you, you have these invitations, please don't just leave these on the seats. We, do, we actually don't need them in the church. Uh, please, please, please grab it, okay? Can everyone do that? Can everyone grab this right now and either put it in your shirt pocket or put it in your, in your pant pocket or something? But this is a way to welcome Jesus in, these cards. Um, people come when, when they're invited. I've had very few people I mean, I can count it on one hand. When I've tried to give an invitation uh, out in San Diego, how few people have actually said, no, I don't want that. People actually accept it. Someone told me the other day they asked their, the, uh, an outright atheist to come, and, they, and you know what they said to him? Thank you for inviting me. Like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. But, but people, people actually love to be invited to things. Stephanie Crack would invite someone every week. Uh, in the course of two years, 16 of her team members gave their lives to Jesus. I don't know that she prayed with one of them. She just, she'd just invite people and invite people and invite people. God, God uses uh, the few. And, 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 you know, we've been talking a lot about revival and wanting to see God move in our, in our city. And God's moving in different places in the nation right now. Do you know it always starts with a couple? It always starts with two or three. Every revival, because I study the history revival, it starts with a couple people that decided, I'm going to pray it in. I'm going to be a part. God always moves in accordance with the prayers of his people. And so studying the Hebrides revival, which was before Azusa Street, many people think that, that Azusa Street was a result of the Hebrides revival. There were two old grannies that got together and said, we're going to pray because our our island desperately needs a move of God. And then it happened. God always uses a couple of people. I want to be that kind of person. right? I don't want to just see the acts of God. I want to know his ways. I want to be close and be a part of that. And, and I believe that's what God's called this church to be. Those, those people that say, I want to see God move in and I want to be a part of it. Uh, second of all, this is interesting. He uses people who obey his instructions. So God uses people. That that If you draw near to God, if you actually spend time with him, he'll give you specific instructions. Actually, I think that's why some people don't want to draw near to him because they're like, I don't want any instructions. I just want to do what I want. Yeah, so let me just warn you, you spend time with God, he will speak to you. And he gives instructions. And then you have to decide, do I want to follow them? Because he might give you instructions like this. Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one's ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. Notice that he didn't give them a bunch of money to buy this colt. If anyone asks, why are you untieing it? Say, the Lord needs it. That's, I mean, think about it. That is foolish. You're going to go in, Okay. Um, kind of reminds me of when we borrowed that ladder for the float, right? Uh, but this, no, it, it, totally not. This is a direction from the Lord, but I, I, I do want to say God uses the foolish things. God, God, do you guys remember, many of you were at our commission conference when Miguel spoke and and God was sending him and a team of 20 to smuggle Bibles into Iran. And so they're flying uh, across these on British Airways, and they show up with their suitcases and they're packed with Bibles. So I, I, I've I been on way too many flights where I get to the counter where you weigh your bag and they're like, sir, you're over your 50 pound a lot. It. And I'm like, it's 51 and a half. They're like, sir, you've got to change, you know? So I'm like looking for, you know, a, 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 is this coat heavy or is my shaving cream? Or what can I, you know, what can I move around? So, but imagine suitcases full of Bibles. Those are like 200 pounds a piece. They had 20 of them. And if you, re, if you remember the story, or maybe it was 40 of them, they said, that will be $20,000, sir, in extra baggage. And do you remember what the, the Lord told him to do at that moment? Because he's like, God, what do I do? 20, I, of course I don't have $20,000 extra to pay British Airlines. He felt like the Lord said, just stare at the woman. And so he said, he went, and she said, sir, that's $20,000. And he goes, God didn't tell me to say anything. So I just went. <laughs> and he said, he literally stood there five minutes going. And finally she's like, okay, okay, go on. And sends $20,000 because he stared. That's like untying someone's donkey, right? And, and, and then saying, why are you stealing my donkey? The Lord needs it. Oh, okay, go ahead. Yeah. You know? Take my house, too. Uh, God uses people who obey. And he actually says the foolish things of the world will confound the wise and the the weak things will shame the strong. And I want to be a person who obeys even when it doesn't make sense. I want to, those simple, don't ever underestimate the power of simple obediences. Don't ever underestimate that. God honors his word. Here's the next point I see is this. Um, the humble usher him in. The the humble usher him in. It says they brought it to Jesus. That is the donkey. And then they threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. And he went along. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the ground. So they, they took their they took their coats. I, I really like this jacket. I'm a denim jacket kind of guy. Um, I grew up around livestock. Uh, if you've been around, you know, horses look all pretty, and then you get close, and you're like, "Whoo!" But you don't smell pretty, right? Uh, we had a horse, and what horses do to to make themselves feel good is they they. I, I would. Get my horse ready. You you're brushing it down. You're getting all ready. And then it love, they love you, let them out and they go and roll around in the dirt. And you're like, oh, I just brushed you. They they roll around the dirt and then they, they stink, right? They smell bad. And so what does it say the disciples did? They take the coat and they put it on the livestock, on the donkey. What does that mean? That coat is gonna get stinky. That coat is gonna get hairy. That coat is gonna get ruined. And then even more so, what do you see them doing? They, they're, they're, they're throwing it down on, on the ground. Um, I, uh, so I like, I like this coat. One of the hardest things that, that the Lord put on my heart as a young man was, Robert, you care too much about your image. And would you give that up to, to glorify and honor me? All right. Some of you have heard me tell that story that I, I'm in a service and I'm like, Lord, I just want to seek you. I just want to glorify you, anything for you. And God's like, you need to give away your corduroy pants. And I went, no, not that. Not my corduroy pants, Lord. Like I loved at that time, corduroy pants were really in. They're Maybe coming back in, I saw like a cool guy with a corduroy jacket on last night. Um, and I was like, no, Lord, not my not my corduroy pants, Lord. And I remember at the end of the service, going up, getting on my knees, and I, I didn't take my corduroy pants off, but I was like, in my mind's eye, I was like, Lord, you know, here I, here's my Isaac, Abraham and Isaac, here are my corduroy pants, Lord. Um, and I, I I, went home and I, and I gave them. Oh wait, why? Because life was too much about me and how I looked instead of about Jesus and glorifying and honoring Him. So this isn't some big deal. Like we're not going to check your clothes on the way in next Sunday and be like, no, that's a little too trendy. Uh, not the deal at all. I'm not trying to put some. I don't need every woman to show up in a skirt to, to her ankles and a bun next week. And uh, but. But what I am saying is the humble usher him in. And is life about him getting glory or me getting glory? Wow. I, I, I want to live in that thought of, of, and especially in this day and age, it's so, it's so much about me and, and people looking at me. And, and, and we want to put our eyes and the world's eyes, their attention on him. And I love that that's what the disciples were doing. Because the cloak was the nicest thing they had. And, and then the, the next thing I see is this. He honors sacrificial giving. Like Jesus rode in on sacrificial giving. So then they take their cloaks and they, they put it down. They're putting their cloaks on the ground. And it's not, you know, I can walk on my cloak right now. And some of you guys are going like, oh, my gosh, he is stepping on his coat. This is killing me. This is kind of killing me right now, honest. <laughs> um, and, and uh but um, it's different, me stepping on this coat, than a donkey, okay? A, don- a donkey on a dirt road, its hooves are full of dirt, it's ho you know, it can have uh, sores on its hooves. I mean, hooves are, I've, I've tended to, to horse hooves before. And imagine, it's just walking across it. And in that moment, I bet many of them, their coats were ruined. I bet their cloaks were ruined. And I want to say, is that my attitude of Jesus? You come in and I waste, I waste what I have on you. I waste what I have on you. I want to I want to be that kind of person who just pours out and sacrifices. I sacrifice financially. I sacrifice my time. I pour out my my worship on you. And and I want to tell you, I want to challenge everyone in here. Be a sacrificial giver be an extravagant giver i'll I'll never forget when when steph and i first got married and we felt uh, led to actually drain our savings and it was it was challenging for me but the lord was telling us now there's times to save obviously that's biblical there's times where god's saying extravagantly give and i i'll never forget writing that that check to to drain our savings to give where we're giving to, to the, the church we were at to help them build, this was 20 years ago, the joy that was released, that joy that was released by saying, I'm, I'm sacrificially giving to you, Jesus. It was, it, was, it was amazing. He comes as people are deliberate and bold in worship. Let's look at this next part. It says, a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road and it says this in Mark eleven eight. many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches they had cut in fields. So think about how deliberate these people were they knew Jesus was coming. So imagine having this thought, I know Jesus is coming, I'm not just gonna show up, I'm actually gonna go out in the field, I'm gonna take my little saw or I'm gonna take my shears and I'm gonna go up to a tree and I'm gonna cut the branch and then I'm gonna come all the way back and I'm gonna show up and I'm gonna wave this branch or I'm gonna throw this branch down. I, I, I love the the deliberateness of this. I love that that focus, I think for so uh much of America now we've become so half-hearted about worship right I, I, I'll, I''ll I'll be driving to church and I'm like wow the the brunch lines are more full than the church services the the soccer fields are are, are, are more full this morning uh, we get a call and, and my son has a football practice at 10 a.m I'm like what the hell? that's church hour that, that didn't happen during the great commission i mean uh, during the the great awakening oh and during the great commission too it certainly didn't happen jesus had his disciples right there on the mount anyway uh, here's what i believe we honor jesus with our presence he's going to honor us with his like I, i'm believing for a time in america again where we are deliberate we're like i i i am i'm not only showing up but I'm ready to play. I've gone out to the field. I've gone out and got my branch. I'm bringing it in. I'm coming. I'm putting down my, my branch of worship. It reminds me, I, <laughs> I saw this, uh, this little funny thing about this kid, five years old, who had to miss church, and his parents come. It's Palm Sunday, so his parents come home. He, his parents and his little siblings come home, with, with palm branches. He's like, what are those palm branches for? And they go, well, this is what people use when Jesus came into town. And he starts crying. They go, what's wrong? He goes, the one Sunday I missed, Jesus came to church? <laughs> um, anyway. As they, it says this, when, when he came near the place where the roads go down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully praise God in loud voices. For all the miracles he had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven. Glory in the highest. You know, um, I, I loved, I loved the worship before I got up to speak. Just people starting to shout out, people starting to cry out. And that that is what we want to do. We want to be a people, a bold worship that are. Re, re, Proclaiming what he has done and the miracles he has done. I don't want to ever. I don't ever want it to get old that God is touching people. He's saving people. He's healing people, and we boldly proclaim, "Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord." Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. And and he he comes in. I, I noticed this at our our prayer meeting on a Wednesday night. It was raining again, a little little dreary, and I. I came in and it had been a long day and I'm sitting on the front row and praise God for Lisa, right? Um, She got up and she's like, Church, it's time to raise our voice. It's time to talk about who he is. It's time to proclaim it. It's time to believe it. And she just keeps going on and on. And and, and all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, right? (laughs) It's interesting, Church, how so many times our emotions follow our actions. Can I just say that again? So many times your emotions will follow your actions, and you're like, well, I don't feel like praising. Well, praise anyway, because he's worth it, whether you feel like it or not. And so many times it's that act of faith of stepping into it, and then our emotions follow. But even if your emotions don't follow, he's still worth it. He's still the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He's worthy to be praised. I would if I remembered what I said. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you encircle you and hem you in on every side. They'll dash you to the ground. You and your children, they will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. This is just so touching to me jesus weeping jesus weeping over the city jesus weeping over people do you know i i I love the tenderness of jesus why uh it's because he's like i i i was coming and i wanted to be with you that's that's what jesus does and that's the heart i want when i'm driving through the city of san diego that i feel that heart where he's just like i want to be with people i want to be when i'm when i'm driving down the streets and looking at business people, I want my heart to just be like, Jesus wants to be with them. When I see the the homeless lining the street. Jesus wants to be with them. When I see the kids in the parks and in the schools, Jesus wants to be with them. I want to feel His compassion. That He's just weeping. Jesus is weeping over our city, saying, "I, I want." It's not okay that only four percent of San Diego knows and follows Jesus. He's weeping over the ninety-six percent, saying, "Oh, I want to draw them. I want to, I want to bring them near. I want, I want them to experience my heart. I want them to hear my heartbeat. I want them to hear my voice. I want them to feel my presence." I was so touched by this one girl we were doing uh, healing ministry and we had people sharing testimonies but one of the things that touched me most was this little girl that walks up I don't know she looked about 20 years old she said I came in so depressed and one of the things that I I spoke over the crowd is right now God's healing some depression and she came up and she's beaming and she goes I came in so depressed and something is lifted and I was like how do you feel and she's giggling She's like, I've been so depressed, but in an in instant, she was just touched. And I, I've been depressed before, and it's a miserable feeling. Jesus is wanting to draw in our city, and he's wanting to heal the depressed. He's wanting to take all the, this young generation. He's contemplating suicide. He wants to lift that, those suicidal thoughts, and he's, just, he's weeping over our city, and I want to be a part of ushering him in. It says this, when Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. It's written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer. She made it a den of robbers. I love this righteous anger because he's saying, hey, in the church, here's what we want the church to be. Prayer. It's about, it's about, what is prayer? Prayer is just simply people coming to meet with God. That's what it's about. It's people being able to meet with the living God. He wants to meet with us. Uh, It's Palm Sunday and I want to finish our time just by going back into worship. I'm going to ask the the prayer team, I mean the the worship team to come back up and here's the response. I I just want to put these up real quick just for you to see and you to say, what's my response today? Can we put these responses up um, to be one of the few and and say, I'm going to usher him in to obey his Instructions. Maybe there's an instruction that God's given you to humble yourself, um, to to sacrificially give, or to to deliberately and boldly worship. Let's let's be a church that is bold with Jesus. And for some of you, it's it's this. It's going okay. I'm going to take a step this week, and I I want to feel that there's no time in in the year where people are more likely to come to church than Easter Sunday and for some of us it's just to boldly say okay I've never done it before but I'm going to ask someone to come I'm going to invite them to come with us to church why don't we stand up and let's just go back into worship now and and you just respond with all your heart let's invite Jesus into every aspect of our life